0: Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info@capitalchristian.com. At if you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Uh, we've been in this series, uh, like I said, started last week. The the verses we were in First Thessalonians chapter one, verses three through ten. I'm going to read parts of those today, but uh, tonight I'm really going to key in on. Uh, another passage, you can write it down, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Uh, I preached part of this message at our youth experience uh, last or two Wednesdays ago, uh, and I love it. I love kind of how God works. Um, I even got a little bracelet. It says, I'm not ashamed. I didn't make it. Actually, a young kid and our, our high school student decided the week before. To make these 116 bracelets uh, out of Romans 1, 16, and 17. Had no idea that we were actually starting a series on six weeks called The Courageous Coward on Romans 1, 16 through 17. So when I heard that, I snagged it. I haven't even told him yet that actually he's been the inspiration for for this series. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that today. Why? Because when you talk about uh, the future, you have to talk about courage. Uh, Because there's no way to live with fullness instead of over fear if you're not going to be courageous in heart in mind and in spirit. And there's no way that you can live with the, the foresight of the future presently without future. I think it's amazing. I'll talk about it in a moment. But just do it sometime in some Bible study for those who like your Bible. Just read through your Bible as much and often as you can and circle the amount of times that God says, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Be of good courage. I mean, from Old Testament to New Testament, it's one of the, 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 the commands that he says more often than be generous, be good, love your neighbor. Those are all important. Those are great things. Worship, I mean, that's important. But the one thing that is uh, echoed throughout the entire scripture is not to be afraid. Now, I, I think that the reason why it's being said is because there's opportunity to be fearful in our day and age. I love what, I love what Paul says In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous by faith will Live. Let me pray, Father. We thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity we have to, as we just look into Scripture today. That your Word it brings hope. It it challenges us right where we're at. Uh, It gives us a new perspective of the future. It gives us eyes to see not just our present trouble or circumstance, but you give us the ability to look beyond it and through it. Uh, Thank you that we serve a God of hope. Your God of salvation, Lord. You. You give us everything we need to be victorious on, on this side right now of, of eternity. And we declare today that you're actively at work in every heart, every life in this room today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Have, have you ever wondered like why some people are not born with the embarrassment gene? I don't know if there's such thing as embarrassment gene, but I mean, like, do you have that friend? Have you had that friend that just nothing embarrasses them? Are you that friend? <laughs> I asked my wife today I'm like, "Babe, on a scale from 1 to 10, like what's my embarrassment level?" She's like, "Ah." And I answered it 4 and she agreed. I think we were good to I gave a 5. That's like the average cuz there's some days it depends on who you're with and the circumstances. Sometimes I can be a 7 and I just don't care what people think around me. I'm just going to do something uh, regardless of like, you know, being self-aware, I'm just gonna go, I just don't care about self at that moment and the awkwardness and the embarrassment, I just step into it, but other times, I'm like a three and it's just, it's not happening. Um, Mark Francie is a 10 all the time. (laughs) And this is an honor, this story is an honor of of Mark uh, as they launch their service today. Uh, I, I, I went to Disneyland a long time ago with some of our college students. Mark was there and his, one of his great friends by the name of John McConaughey. And I remember walking through Disneyland, and from the get-go, I just knew, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, I'm not an introvert, but in this group, I'm an introvert. I I kind of, that line of introvert, extrovert, but because Mark and John are both tens as extroverts, it forces me to be a one-two introvert just to balance them out. And I knew that this Disneyland experience was just not going to be all that enjoyable. Uh, And it, It it was true. It was not all that enjoyable. It had had its moments, but we were in this one ride. I don't even know what it was, but I just remember being there. You're you're into this waiting room, and I'm just waiting there patiently. All of a sudden, it's like in unison. I didn't think they shared this, that they were going to do this. They just did it together. Both Mark and John are like, everyone, can I have your attention? Everyone, we need you to move towards the back. And so everyone's like, just like, you know, sheep to the slaughter, moving Moving backwards, like, no, no, you in the back, you need to scoot back more. We're trying to get as many people in this space as possible. And they, they talk like they are Disneyland employees. And everyone is listening to them. They had so many people crowded into the back to where there was at least six feet of room in between them and the people. The people just kept crowding in the back. And I'm in there like I had nowhere to hide. I just wanted just to find a hole and crawl into it. And the, the funniest thing was the relief when the employees actually got there. And they took over, everyone looking at Mark and John. But that didn't embarrass them. John also, he'd take out a map of Disneyland and just start walking. And he's like 6'3". He's a massive man. And he, he holds the map up close to his face, and he just starts walking. He's like, guys, don't worry about it. Just follow me. So in that, we're in a line following John. He's running into strollers. He's running into families. He's walking into just... You name it. And I thought, John obviously was not born with that gene that says, you should be embarrassed at this moment. Like, and I, I think about, even when I was reading uh, Romans chapter, chapter one, I love how Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I thought, man, how many times do, do we get embarrassed or we're, we're almost ashamed of something? Uh, and I had asked the question, was Paul ever ashamed or is he ever embarrassed of something? I think the question is, is not, is the person, do they lack uh, embarrassment or not? Do they lack that boldness or not? Do they lack courage or not? I think everyone deals with fear. I think everyone deals uh, with moments to where uh, the environment, the setting is awkward. Uh, they're more kind of aware of, of self, that self-consciousness kind of is louder than anything else. I think what separates people from Uh, being in that place all their life and being controlled by it is that right there. I think some can learn not to allow it to control them. And regardless of whether they're self-conscious or awkward or not in the setting, they just step out and... They try something. Yeah. I think fear is not, you're not going to find someone, even people that are hanging, into it, like whatever it is, free climbing on these rocks or these boulders, you're going to find that they still have fear. The difference that separates them from others is they just didn't allow that moment of their life to be controlled by the fear. Yeah. All of us deal with fear. All of us deal with these pushbacks. I think what separates us from others is uh, there are those who are controlled by the fear and like, it's paralyzing to them. And so they just don't do anything. There's no risk. Uh, they try, play it safe, they're careful. You look up the definition for the word careful, it's people who avoid potential danger. So we have a lot of people not avoiding just danger, we have a lot of people avoiding potential danger. They're just scared of the fact that there's the potential of danger. Paul, when he, he declares this, he's, saying, he's not saying that there's no fear in his life, that he's never been as scared of anything. I think what he's saying is he's, he's saying that he's living, he's learned, and we're gonna see this, he's learned to live into a bigger story meaning there's a greater reality than the present reality that he faces right now of maybe being embarrassed, maybe having pushback, even worse than that, having, having persecution come against him. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And this is, this is why, because there's, there's reasons that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, and this is the, what I want to do even the next few moments that, that we have is just talk about the larger story that we're actually living in. I found this. Sometimes when I just get isolated on my problem on my story, on my needs. Uh, What happens is it feels like the world is just massive and pounding against me. uh, And there's not a whole lot that you can do. But when I take a moment and I realize, wait a minute, My story is actually just part of this larger story, this larger narrative uh, that does have an end to it, that does have this beautiful conclusion to it. So that means that even in the circumstance that I face right now, I can go through difficulty. I can go through challenge and understand that it's just it's not a dead end for me, that if I do believe in the God of Scripture and I do believe in what he says, uh, then I can have this hope for tomorrow. I can live in the future right now. I can think about the future right now. I can lean in and live into fullness, not fear, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I think and and, and imagine for that moment. Paul says this. He says that I'm not ashamed. The reason why he says he's not ashamed, I think, especially if you consider in today's culture, uh, how often uh, the the Christian story can be mocked. It's readily dismissed. it's, It's laughed at at times. Uh, in media, in classrooms, in social settings, so much so that I think oftentimes the Christian thinks that the best approach is the quiet approach, but not Paul. When you read the life of Paul, you don't, you don't read a story of a, of a man who was intimidated by people. Uh, he wasn't pushed back to a place to where he had to remain quiet. And it wasn't just because of his personality type. Once again, he wasn't born with like this courageous gene uh, or this gene that didn't experience any type of embarrassment or awkwardness. No, it's because he had a greater reality that he lived by that forms his convictions to where he says, regards to what I face. And he faced something. Hear me now. Paul was, was communicating, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, uh, in a culture that was occupied with one city and one man, Rome and Caesar. And Caesar was saying what? That nasty flies back. Every Sunday, that same fly is still here. Uh, he's saying, Caesar... Is, is the man of the hour. Caesar is the one who claims to be the, essentially the, the ruler of the world, the lord of the world. However, the, the biblical narrative says something completely different. The biblical narrative says that actually Caesar isn't the, the, the top ruler of the world, that Jesus is lord, that he's king. Not a king among kings, but he's king above kings. He's king, he's lord of lords. So then what in that moment of Christianity, what was the Christian to do? quiet, remain somewhat passive, keep the, the, the conversation private is not to offend someone or even maybe jeopardize your own life. Uh, I mean, God forbid you you don't want to put yourself in a place to where this setting is now awkward because you're vocal about your belief. Since it's surrounded by Rome and Caesar, you speak out against that, there's some trouble is coming. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Regardless of the setting, the Christian story was never designed. It was never written. It was never lived so that it could be private and just for you and your little world. No, the Christian story is all about a public announcement. It's personal, but it's not private to where it's just kept all by Paul understands that Jesus didn't come just for a select few that are on the end of what's going on. No, Jesus came. So what? So the world at large, regardless of story, background, we'll read it here in a moment, uh, barrier of ethnicity, you name it, gender. We see that he says, I've come so that this story can be communicated to anyone and everyone. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the story. And this is why he's not ashamed of it. Number one here, just kind of the teacher in me. Number one, I'll give you a few points tonight, is because the good news is God's power. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the story, the gospel story, the surprising good news. Why? Because the story itself is the power of God. For what? It says for salvation. But it's God's power in that, that Paul has discovered over years and years of application that when you share the story of Jesus, something happens. Something happens within the life of an individual. Some, some, a new way of living becomes to, to spring out afresh in their hearts, in their minds, in their entire lifestyles. Through the announcement of Jesus, Paul's saying that God has made a new way and a new world and a new uh, place for people to live within. But I think about it, bet I've announced the story of Jesus before and I haven't seen the effects of it. I haven't seen the influence. I've actually got some pushback. Paul's saying, listen, this is the reality of it. He's he's done it so much that just the announcement of Jesus as king has power in that conversation. So essentially what he's saying is it's not about what you feel. It's not what you see. It's the very fact that when you announce this conversation and when you have this story and when you have dialogue that Jesus is the king, what happens is something supernaturally happens inside of the individual. They might not at that moment listen to it. I I want us to catch this because what what God's doing within our city, in our world, it's just not for those that are already in the know. It's just not for those that just find it convenient enough to be a part of a church experience in the community. No. It's it's on us as we get to collaborate with heaven in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, across the street, in, in our social settings and groups. We have to be confident of this like Paul was. That when we just are bold and not ashamed just to say, hey, Just so you know, this is my story. This is how my life has been influenced. I mean, you might at this moment accept it or not, and the pressure isn't to accept it. See, that's the thing. We put so much pressure on us, and God says, you don't have to be that way. You just have to be good at just sharing and telling the story of Jesus. And when you do that, whether you see it on the outside or not, something supernaturally is happening within the heart and the life and the mind. Of the individual. That's why Paul says, I'm unashamed because it's the power of God. This story is the power of God. What's the result? Well, the result is, is salvation. Right, yeah. He's saying the reason why I'm not ashamed of this is because this is just not some feel-good story. No, this is a story that actually has life-altering effects connected to it. It's the power of salvation, which means this, that death no longer has the last say. It's a defeated foe, as Scripture says, meaning... Before the achievements of Jesus, before Jesus came and defeated death, hell, and the grave, death was loud. It, it had a say. But because of the achievements of Jesus, what's being said is it no longer has the last say. It's in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is comparing the fear of man with the fear of God. He says, listen, don't be fearful of the one who can kill your body. And we're like, well, that's hard not to be fearful of the one who can kill our body. Why? Because at times we think our future stops with our body. That's, that's what we know. That's, this is, this is We live in this moment, correct? So for just not to, to stop at our body, Jesus is saying, no, no, it actually goes beyond that because the end of your body is not the end of you. A, a weird thought is the fact that the real you is on the inside of your body looking out through your eyes because the body says we are spirit, we're soul, we're body. But we put a lot of emphasis on the body and Jesus says, don't fear the one who can affect the body. I mean, there, there's a greater reality. The greater reality is be occupied with the one who is able to uh, continue to give life to your soul and to your spirit. And it goes back to this. It's amazing how many times in Scripture, Jesus in the New Testament, and we see even as the writers of the Old Testament, is, is God speaks to people like Joshua and Moses, what, what are, what's being said over and over and over again is don't be afraid. Yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy chapter one, 31 verse 6 I wrote it right here in my little my little journal. It says, be strong and of good courage. Joshua 1, 3 through 9. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I'm gonna give to you. So be strong and be courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Why is he saying this to Joshua in the time? Because there's gonna be opportunity for Joshua to give into the spirit of fear and give into the moments, to give into the circumstance. And God's saying, No, 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 no. Be be strong and very courageous. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. And David said to his son Saul, Be strong and have good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. What? For the Lord your God, he's going to be with you. Yes. Psalms 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the what? The strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Oh. Psalms 56, verse 33 and 4. Therefore I am afraid. Uh, therefore, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Yeah. It says, In God, I have put my trust, and I will not fear. For what can flesh do to me? Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you, and I'll uphold you by my righteous... I love that hand. Are we catching that? Matthew 10, 28. It says, do not fear those who can kill the body. Romans 8, 15 says, For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again for fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry... Abba, Father. First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse thirteen. Watch says, "Stand fast in faith. Be brave. Be strong." On, so Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, says, "Don't be afraid, of the one who can kill the body." Why? Well, we read in scripture the promises that God's going to be with you, but that's not what Jesus says right here. What Jesus says right here is the reason why you don't have to be afraid is if you continue to read through those verses there, you'll discover that the reason Jesus says, "Don't be afraid." Is because he's pointing to a future time where he says everything that's hidden, everything that's in secret will be known to all. Everything that is now covered will be overturned and seen. So what is, what is he saying? He says you don't have to be afraid because your present reality isn't stuck with you right here. There's a greater thing taking place. There's salvation in the future is working for you right now. But this is what I love. Salvation just isn't a future thing. It's also a present thing. It's like it's come into like our very midst through the achievements of Jesus. And what we see is the the very presence of salvation here uh, is exemplified by the fact that Jesus pardons our sin. He forgives us. He deals with fear right now, not someday. He, he deals with anxiety right now, not someday. He deals with all these different phobias that the, the world uh, is, is entangled with. Not someday, but right now. I love it. The works of Jesus. How does he do it? Well, he does it through the act of God. The fact that God says, I'm not coming to just discard planet Earth. I'm coming to make it completely new. So you have what's called, I love this. You have what's called heaven, which is God's space, and you have earth, our space, right? And so what God does, can I have examples? Yeah, yeah. John, let's go. And Laramie, perfect. We can do this with the five o'clock. John, you're going to represent this, no offense here, Laramie, you're going to represent heaven, and this is a stretch. Just kidding, John. I want you to make a circle. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to do it on the side, and we're going to turn it so they can see your circle. Try, try and do it. Yeah, just do the best you can. Like that. You're going to have to get into it. Get that elbow up. Okay. Heaven. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to face, face John. Okay, and then come to the middle. It's good. Wow. it's a great yoga pose. Here we go. You're not moving yet. This, this, this is important. I want, you, I want you to see this, because if we don't get the big story, we can never live courageous lives. Hear me now. This is, what, this is what God does. Salvation is a future thing, but it's also present reality, right? It's a future hope when God's eventually, finally going to take care of every infirmity, every sickness, every pain. Man, this is what we get to look forward to as future New Testament Christians, that God has the final say. Death doesn't have the final say. You guys are doing awesome. Hold there. That God has the final say. But we know right now in the, the present tense that God is already at work. He works both from front to back, back to front, future forward, forward from back to front. You, you catch me, right? And as he does this, he's putting the world to rights. He's putting our story to rights, meaning that you don't have to give a day to fear or anxiety or, man, failure. No, you can give every day to victory. Why? Because of Jesus. And this is what it looks like. This is our space. And because of sin, it's been marred with with injustice. It's been marred with ugliness. This is our story that's in this kind of a circle, (laughs) that's in this picture right here. There's, There's no hope here. I want you to hear me now. There's zero hope here apart from the achievements of Jesus, apart from the working of God. Like we, we can't fix ourselves within these parameters. There's no way we can get outside of it. There's no way that we can be good enough to, to fix it all and to pardon our sin by ourselves. We're stuck there. And that's, that's the unfortunate dilemma with sin. In the Old Testament, what you see, Old Testament was all about temple and tabernacle. So what happened is uh, God gave instructions for his people to build a temple tabernacle throughout the course of the Old Testament. And that would be like right here. And what would happen is the temple and tabernacle, through representing the very presence of God, it would connect our space and God's space, heaven and earth, but it's done in a way that wasn't available and readily for everyone. You couldn't just be on your commute, in your chariot, on your camel, and just have an encounter with the presence of God. You could do that, and there were stories like that, but the the temple tabernacle represented the place of worship, represented the place where the presence of God presided. But that wasn't the full story. That was just a means to an end. What God has been doing, while that was being instituted, what God is doing, he's bringing, this is amazing, he's bringing heaven, which is justice, it's everything that people want. They just don't always want heaven and God. It's love. It's peace. It's, it's forgiveness. It's fullness. It's life. And he, this, he takes this. This doesn't move anywhere. It's, it's amazing. We, and we think we do. We think somehow we, we help make the connection with, with heaven. We don't. This is all God's doing. And what he does, he brings it right here, right here. Bam, stop right there. And right there. That's kind of where we're at right now. You guys see me through there? We're kind of in that place of overlap. And what is the overlap? Well, the overlap is this. You guys can be seated for a minute. Just just remember overlap. This is where we're at right now. Ready? We're in that place of overlap where heaven comes to earth and God is in the process of making those things that are broken completely renewed. Those things that are forgotten, those things that are sick, whole, healed, and ready for this, this new life. Now, what happened, it's crazy. Old Testament, what would they do? They would use animal sacrifice. They'd kill the animal uh, in the tabernacle or the temple, and that would represent the sins of a person or nations to pardon, to create this atonement for that person's life or that nation's life. Well, what thousands of animal sacrifices couldn't do was achieved by Jesus. Jesus, when you look at the New Testament, you see that he is the temple. Jesus is the New Testament tabernacle. Jesus is Uh, what John says, he says, behold, the Lamb of God has taken away the sins of the world. So he's both temple, but he's also sacrifice. Why is this important? Well, it's important that if we don't think like with theological minds and live with theological hearts, what happens is we'll never be courageous. Why? Because we'll always be stuck within our little story. But when we understand that our little story is a part of this massive story of movements, it's going somewhere, there is a start, there is a finality to it. What happens is you start to realize, oh, what I'm going through, it is, it is rough, it is difficult, but it's not the end. Meaning that God has taken me from this place. I'm not going to always be stuck here. I'm going to continue to move into his grace, into his achievement, and what he wants for me. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is, I love it, he's the overlap. And we got to really learn to live from that place of overlap. And that's why it's so amazing. How do we do that? Well, we live The overlap life, when we say yes to Jesus, that's our starting place. And then from there, we live this life, not ashamed, not cowardly, but we live it with grace and with love. And we bring it into our workplace. We bring it into community. We bring it into family. And what happens is this this overlap gets, gets larger and larger and larger and larger. And this is what God is doing like right now. But it's not magic, are you, are you, are you tracking with me? It's, it's not a magic thing. This is something to where when we say yes to Jesus, it's amazing how Jesus says, okay, I'm gonna move you into this, this story of influence into this person's life, into this person's life, that person, this community. You don't have to do it based on your achievements. You don't have to like have like the best message prepared and ready to go, no. You just be you, living a life that's focused and fixed your eyes on Jesus. And if the gospel, like Paul says, has power to change supernaturally inside, you just be good about telling your story. My son, the other day, I, I preached a message on courage. The other day, he then writes a story in his English class. And um, he's not here, so I, can, I, I won't embarrass him. He writes a story about his life, about his belief, because the teacher said, I want you to write basically this biography of yourself. So he begins to write it, and then they post it on the walls. And then it wasn't just, it wasn't until like the afternoon that people began to read the story and he came home, and he was quiet, and the next day he was quiet. And then finally, like, I'm like, all right, son, you're rarely ever quiet. What's going on? So he told me about how Raz and like kind of just uh, poked fun of that uh, he got from people reading his story. Like, "Why you, you believe in prayer? Hey, how would you pray for me? And they're like, pray for my toe. You know, so they're just kind of mocking. His I'm like, son, I go, what do you want? I'll buy you anything right now. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? I go, whose story would you have written? I mean, whose story are you gonna tell? I go, don't you realize this is exactly what Paul's saying in Romans chapter one. He's saying there's a way, you can live this and be okay. You, you live this story unashamed, why? Because it's, it's your story, it's what God's done in you. And it's not something you have to be embarrassed about. There's certain things I don't share and that's happened in my life because I'm genuinely embarrassed about it. They have no power associated with them, just mockery. So what? they go with me to, to the grave, right? But this is a story that Paul says is not like that. The problem is, if we don't understand the beautiful story, the surprising good news, hope of Jesus, we kind of live like shameful of it. I don't want to offend anybody. I know we're in, kind of in that, in that place where we got to be open to all things and everything. Paul's saying, no, 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 this is such a good, life changing story that there's not one that even compares to it. You can communicate it with full courage and confidence. So be see, because of the life of Jesus, the achievements of Jesus, we live in this this, this space of, of overlap where you and I represent, I love it, on planet Earth, the activity of heaven. We do it when we pray for people. We do it when uh, we want to give into to fear, but instead of giving to fear, we give in to Jesus and step out in faith. What is that? That's activity of heaven. It's not something you can create in and by yourself. It's only through the power and the achievement of Jesus. Paul says that's, uh, not only is salvation, a future thing; it's also a present thing. But not only is it just a present thing for somebody, he says it's 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 presently for everyone. Everyone yes. who th- who does this, who believes. So I love what Paul's saying here. He says every barrier is broken, right. and, and it's just not Jews and then some people. No, it's Jews and Greeks. And the picture of that means it's Jews in the entire world. To the Jewish people, it's two classes. It was. Jewish people and everyone else. And what Paul's saying, as respectfully as he can, he goes, this story of good news and power of salvation is for everyone. Every, every ethnic class, every economical class, it's for every person without excuse. It's for them. The qualifier is this, belief. It's where Jesus has done everything for us, and the only thing that we have to, to really do is believe. And that's why faith is so necessary. Paul quotes Habakkuk in this chapter, verse 17. He says, the righteous by what? Faith live. We don't live by personality. We don't live by uh, family. We don't live by our talent or strength. It says we live by faith. The Bible also says it's impossible to please God without faith. For some reason, to God, faith is a really big deal. And it's the one thing that if we're not careful, in the moment of overwhelming odds and calamity and issues that come our way, it's the one thing sometimes that we, we, we struggle to hang on to. Paul's saying, listen, you have to learn to lean into this conviction that's settled, it's fundamental. Meaning, it's not, you, you, if you don't start here with this conviction that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, then it's hard to have courage in anything that you do. This becomes our starting points. We have to live, as Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 1 it says, let your hearts uh, not be troubled, believe in God, also in me. What's Jesus saying? He says that there's a requirement for a wholehearted belief. In Jesus the Messiah, God has shown himself faithful to his covenant purposes and promises. And those who believe the good news about Jesus will find that his faithfulness reaches out and embraces them with the salvation which can never be taken away. When your settled convictions hold to the reality that Jesus is Lord, you will have the courage to do what is right, even in the face of fear, when you settled convictions, hold to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will have the courage to do what's right, even in the face of fear. I've learned this, that courage is not a personality type. I've taken all the personality tests. I've taken the Enneagram, I've done the, the Myers-Briggs, I've done the DISC, the DISC, and none of it on there describes courage to be a personality. No, it's, it's not a personality choice. It's, it's actually a choice. Uh, Courage is the ability to choose to act boldly, even in the face of fear. Being cowardly is the opposite. Being careful is the opposite. Uh, Careful is uh, I'm gonna do everything I can to avoid potential danger. As I read through scripture, as I continue just even this last 40 some years of my life, uh, what I realized is that there's always gonna be fear associated with my life right now. I have the choice to allow that fear to hold me and control me or I can say, God, I'm setting my attention on you. And regardless of circumstance, regardless of the odds, I'm choosing not to allow fear. This is what courage looks like to control me. That's, this, that's what separates those who are courageous and do what God's called them to do. And that's the fine thing. We always want to read and tell about courageous stories and feats from other people. So if we always are in, in inspired by that, I, I think it'd also be true that we would actually want to live that ourselves. Sometimes we consider, well, why did they have more courage than, than me? I think it's just come down to a choice of what are we giving our, our thoughts and our attention to, our imagination to? See, what we see in the future, this is what we learned last week, dictates how we live in the presence. Paul understood that his story was a part of a much larger story. He learned to manage his life from the future and not just the presence. See, what God says about the future should shape our imagination. His thought life, his imagination was preoccupied with future promises and events so much so that he gracefully managed present day problems with faith. The certainty of Jesus was such a reality in his heart and his thoughts that he was able to boldly say, I am not ashamed of this gospel. In other words, he's saying, I am all in. The question I want you to consider tonight as I'm about ready to close here is what occupies your imagination? Like what controls like your thoughts? What are we giving our thoughts to? I've ever heard Craig Rochelle, an incredible pastor in our nation, he mentions the other day, he says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It's always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you can get, and if you and I can get a theological understanding of what the large story, and the large story of, of the Bible is all about how God brings heaven and earth together. And that which he starts, he's faithful to complete it. Not just in the person that you've seen from a distance or over here, but that includes your story as well. What God starts, he's always faithful to complete. The reason why you can be courageous, the reason why you can be a person of great faith is because the foundation, the bedrock of that courage is is settled upon the faithfulness of King Jesus. Meaning the promises of God, they're full, they're complete, they're great in detail. He doesn't tease or joke or lie or take back. And so you and I can be courageous because of the simple promises of God that he is faithful yesterday, today, and come on forever. Paul says this in Colossians. He says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides, not shuffling around along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Instead, look up, be alert to what is going on around you in Christ. That's where the action is at. See things from his perspective. Last point I wanna make on this idea of living full lives instead of fearful lives, living from the future, not just from our present experience, is this, the reality there is someone who triumphs over your something. I had the opportunity, I'll say that there's someone who triumphs over your your something. A a something for my son a couple years ago is when we went to Disneyland. Back at Disneyland. I start with Disneyland, gonna end with Disneyland. We're back there and uh, he, he loves hanging out with his dad. And so I'm like, I'm like, E, we gotta go. Let's go on this California Screaming. It's his roller coaster. It's the wood roller coaster. Probably needs some improvements on it. it. It is scary. The name suggests California Screaming. Okay, that became Ethan something. Just track with me. California Screaming became his, his something that he was quiet, quietly terrified about. But he put on a good face. We do that too, right? He's walking right next to me. I'm in line. I'm excited because it's one of the shorter lines in the park, and I think we are at like 98% capacity that day. We picked the wrong day. We're in line. I noticed my son was really chatty, you know, like 40 people back, but now that we're 10 feet people out, and he could see, you know, uh, our our seat approaching what we're getting into. The, the kid went quiet. And so, what I was so proud of is at the last minute, he's like, "Dad, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I'm doing." This. We got this, man. We we waited that whole time. You got this. Uh, You know, I'm like, I'm trying to encourage him. I I got you. I mean, the reality is, I I mean, I got him. (laughs) To me, I'm thinking this is kind of maybe a bad example now because I made that point. Uh, (laughs) But his he he, the California scream was the something. I was the someone. If he was anyone else, I guarantee he would have bailed. But because he was with dad, his someone, I mean, think about this. He sits down with me, quiet, we sit down there. I'm like, this is awesome, you ready? He's like, we take off, that thing takes off. And I mean, I'm screaming, he wasn't screaming, so I look over and no lie, no lie. We hit that first little loop, come down, he's like. (laughs) He passed out three times on California Screaming. No lie. I'm not, if he was here, he'd say, he'd be smiling back. Absolutely. The kid, then he would smile and then he would kind of yell. And then we hit, I think, I don't know if it, I think it was down. Every time we go down, I look over, he's like. And I'm, the someone's panicking, right? I'm like, what have I done here? The point is he gets off the ride. I'm thinking I've, I've messed up my life for my son. He gets in line again. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we got to go again. He went on that ride three or four times. And I was thinking about that even when I was preparing for this message. I'm like, man, that, that's something. Even the name suggests, California Screaming. Like, you're going to pee your pants a little bit, right? You're going to be scared. But I love the fact because I was with him, he could, he could overcome the something because he's with someone. I'm just here to, to, to share tonight like Paul has already made clear to us. The reason why Paul could be unashamed of the gospel, even in the face of Rome and Caesar and the opposition coming against him is because he was with someone that always triumphs over to something. We all have something that is telling us to stay where you're at. Don't act out. Don't step forward. Don't be too loud. Don't be too risky. Don't be too bold. Don't be too uh, this or that about your life or your faith. Don't dream too much because if you dream too much, Man, life will wreck you. It it tells us what we can't do and it keeps us like stuck right there. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. If if you look into the future, you realize even though you go through struggle right now, there's coming a time soon that everything that is not turned over is gonna be turned over. Everything that has been promised in, in past about the future is gonna be fulfilled. So you with great, great, great certainty can know this that God is forever and always for you, moving you to your perfect end. That's why we're a church, that we're not limited by just what we come up against, the obstacles we come up against. Uh, this is a church that believes, okay God, if you've said it, then you're faithful to your word. Like my faith in you is not limited on just some empty promise, but it's a promise that is rich with fulfillments and and follow through. This is the God that we serve. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.